Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round two reaction pod for the U.S. Open. A little bit more carnage on Friday. Joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, you had to like what you saw on Friday. Oh, man. Well, and, and Thursday as well. I wasn't with you guys last night, um, but it's been great so far. Wingfoot has been... Um, a pleasure to see on TV. It's really, it's shown great on TV. So I hope everybody's enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, and boy, today was tough. The, the fans kicked on, the wind got going today and it really, it, I mean, it tortured some of the guys out there. So um, it, it, it was fun to see, but it's still, it feels fair. It doesn't feel like it's gone over the line to where, um, I mean, have you heard any complaints from players? The only – no, I have not. And I actually heard Xander Shoffley uh, specifically call it fair. He said it's fair. Yeah. It's, it's going to yeah. penalize you if you miss. It's going to reward you if you hit a good shot. It's fair. So, no. Yeah. no I mean, we'll see what happens over the weekend because it tends to approach the line of fair and unfair <laughs> in U.S. Opens around Saturday afternoon. So, yeah. I, I guess we still have to wait and see. But so far, I mean, this has just been a straightforward – tough test of golf your the intel that you've provided us all week has been phenomenal i want to get more of it but i want to i want to kind of frame it like this greg i mean the course played over you know more than five shots over par today so essentially twice as difficult as it did on thursday in round one i think there's a couple of factors there you know you mentioned the wind before we went live i want to get your thoughts on that it seemed like the pins were tucked uh, a little bit more on Friday than they were on Thursday and maybe just a little bit firmer on the greens, right? They probably uh, got those bad boys a little crispy. Yeah. When, when the wind picks up, the greens have a tendency of getting firmer, especially certain greens like 13 that's really exposed. Uh, and there are a couple other ones out there. It, it'll just start to really firm up. And um, you know, I, I love NFL analogies. When you're looking at, um, at NFL players, I've heard this term a lot since the start. And the term is force multipliers, right? So, the, oh, this quarterback is like Russell Wilson's a force multiplier. He makes all his players around him better. Yeah. Well, w when, you, when you're dealing with difficult conditions, firmness of greens are a force multiplier. They make rough much more of a factor. Yesterday, some guys were okay out of the rough. You were able to yeah, – maybe you couldn't reach the green, but it was, it was okay on Thursday to miss some fairways. Today, when the greens get a little firmer – missing fairways becomes a greater penalty um, for, for both your wedge shot. If you have to come up short, if you miss a green, it basically anywhere firmness of greens, make it more difficult and, and whole locations do the same thing. Ultimately that's what it really boils down to. Um, and then you add in the wind and when you have wind at winged foot, it, it's different than wind at like an open championship or wind at pebble, even um, in a couple of, as, um, in, in a couple of senses there's there's trees out there so the wind can swirl which is definitely and it at least feels like it swirls it's blocked yeah. in areas you're not as sure 
in an open championship, for the most part, you're pretty sure, okay, it's blowing this way. It's just, it's a lot. It's a fast, it's 20 miles an hour or more. Um, in this case, you don't always feel it. So there are some areas where you're kind of tucked behind trees and, and it creates doubt. And on a golf course where you have to be so precise with your numbers, that becomes really difficult. But the thing I've always found the hardest about wing foot in the wind is putting. Um, yeah. and, and when the greens are fast, as they are um, in, in pretty much every U.S. Open, and they definitely are this week, when greens are fast, you have to play a lot more break. The ball's rolling slower on its way to the hole. It takes longer to get there. And that means the wind has more time to affect it or not affect it. Um, little bumps in the greens from other players walking around, uh, they make the ball wobble. So anytime the ball's rolling slower on a green, you have less control of it. And all of a sudden you start to get really freaked. This is where it comes in where I, I call it spooky because you don't, you have so much doubt because, okay, I know this putt should break a cup, but the wind's blowing the other way. The wind's blowing towards the back of the green, but the, um, but, but the slope is going to the front of the green. Well, how much break do I play? What's the effect? If I miss yeah. a low, it's going to be six feet away. And if I play too much, well, I'm not going to make it. So it gets very challenging. And I think that played a big role in the scores today. And it got more challenging as the day went on. The afternoon wave, 1.2 strokes worse than the morning wave. The morning wave was four and a half shots over par, and they got the good side of it, which is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, only, only three rounds under par. Uh, Bryson and Bubba did it in the morning, and then Hideki, even more impressively, did it in the afternoon. But our 36-hole leader, Greg, is one Patrick Reed, who is kind of doing this in a way you wouldn't expect him to be able to take apart uh, winged foot. Not that he's taking it apart. He's four under par. He goes, goes 66, 70 um, because he hasn't hit many fairways. He's only hit 10 fairways through two rounds, but he's relying on that short game. And it's the one that kind of makes him this low key big game hunter, right? I think two of his wins are what in the playoffs, two of them are WGCs. He's got the masters uh, championship. I mean, like, he finds a way to put the ball in the cup. He, he gears up for these big events. So it's, um, it, it's exciting to see. I think that's part of the reason why we were high on him entering the week, why Kyle was high on him entering the week. He has a lot of elements that, um, that bode really well for him. One, he's very good at drawing the ball. Uh, so he can hit, he can turn the corner on a lot of these tee shots, and he has a very uh, sort of penetrating ball flight. So when he hits that shot, the wind affects it a little bit less, uh, and, and he's able to get the ball into play. Now, he hasn't gotten it into play, even though I thought that would be an advantage coming in. It hasn't necessarily worked in getting the ball in the fairway. Where he's really made his hay is, one, he's got a lot of strength out of the rough. Mm. Some of the, I mean, he's been able to advance his ball onto some greens from really bad lies. He's got a lot more strength, I, I think, in those hands than people give him credit for. Um, that was impressive to see. And one thing that, um, that my, my boss, Michael Breed, was very excited. He, he was, Patrick Reed was his guy entering the week. He said, <laughs> watch out for Reed. One reason, he saw him on the range, and he said he was swinging great, great in great tempo. Um, but the other reason has to do with what he can do um, in, in the short game. And a lot of that has to do with the way that he swings the club. He's an open face player. He's got a lot of toe hang. I think that's helped him get the ball out of the rough. You see, Rick, I mean, he, he's, he's lost uh, a shot over the two rounds uh, off the tee. Yeah. He's gained 5.5 approach in the greens. And that's been a huge advantage. Um, and it's allowed him to make a lot of birdies. I mean, as tough as it was today, he made five birdies today. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been an impressive week. The, you know, the approach numbers yesterday or, or Thursday, I would have been like, ah, they're inflated because he made that ace. But then I'm like, nope, not anymore. I mean, he's hit a lot more shots. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't count for all of these. He's been really good. Um, and speaking of muscle out of the rough, Greg, Bryson DeChambeau goes out and posts a two under 68 to get to three under par. He's one shot off the lead at the halfway point, And he got out early. He must be laughing, sitting in the clubhouse, watching these guys just falter uh, coming in. But the moment that we are going to remember from Bryson's second round at the U.S. Open is number nine, his final hole of the day. He hits a 380-yard drive, a pitching wedge to seven feet, and rolls the putt in for eagle. Unbelievable stuff. It's so important to take advantage of the limited opportunities you get. Um, one opportunity is if you hit a fairway, it becomes a, a scoring opportunity. Um, if you hit a fairway on a par five and have a pitching wedge left, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. And uh, it, nine is definitely the easiest hole on the course, and it will be all week. Uh, and everybody knew that coming in. So if you're able to hit that fairway and get it down there the way Bryson is, I mean, and nobody's going to be able to get it down there that far, but um, you're able to get it down there. And then also closing your round on that is huge. You go to, you go to bed feeling great at night after watching, um, after, after making Eagle on your last hole, and now you're only one off the lead. So Bryson's in great position. It's been fascinating to watch his, uh, you know, watch this leaderboard. These two guys, Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, can't wait to get uh, Kyle's thoughts on that. But to have those two guys near the top is fascinating. Joining us, Kyle Porter. What's going up, K- going on, KP? Have you guys already talked about Speed 81 or no? Oh, we were saving it for you. <laughs> we actually did it at the top because it was the top story, and then we're saving it for you at the bottom. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a day. It was the best. Five, so five shots over par was the oh, average. It was so fun. I, I uh, what what are we on right now, Bryson? Uh, Bryson, yeah, Bryson and Reed, the 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 final pairing. So, I'm surprised. I think uh, by a couple of things. One, Reed's not hitting the ball that well. Mm. I mean, his approach shots have been good, but off the tee, he's been lousy. I mean, just not good at all. And to be, I get being in contention, to be four under with the way he's driving it, it it's. I think that's surprising, but look, he, I mean, he's, I don't know. He, he's somebody who, when he's in it, you're like, man, he's not, he's not going to go away. And if he does, he's just going to keep coming back and keep coming back. And I think that's one of the most, I mean, he gets, he gets piled on a lot, right? I mean, we do it. Everybody does it, but I mean, he is, he, he's pretty tough. Like he hangs in and hangs in and hangs in. Uh, and then with Bryson, I, I don't, I mean, he was the guy that I guaranteed would not win this week, <laughs> which is a not great look for me. But look, like, and we talked about this on HQ, Rick, when it works, it, it works. Like it, 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 I mean, and, and credit to him for being able to kind of dial in his wedge play because you can hit it as far as you want, but on these greens, if your wedge play isn't precise, it, it doesn't matter. You're still going to make bogey, double bogey, whatever. And he's got it locked in right now. I, I do think there's – he's maybe the guy that has the greatest variance in the weekend where mm-hmm. he could go out shoot 77. I'd be like, well, yeah, of course. But he could also shoot 69 and 
be leading going into Sunday, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be super surprised. Yeah, he made a he made a real point in his post round interview that like um, when I'm in the fairway, I'm gonna attack, and when I'm not, I'm just gonna take my medicine and hit it, try to hit it to the middle of the green and and see what happens. And Greg, I mean that works that works as long as you hit fairways. It works as long as you hit fairways and then you can attack. Like that's, that's kind of the, the caveat about that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he can continue to put himself in enough positions off the tee and then take advantage of them. Well, you see it in his scorecard and see, this is the biggest <laughs> yes. thing. Cause you're, you're, you're not going to hit every fairway. Nobody's going to hit every fairway. If you can get it down there and you can have that mindset of, I'm going to take what the course gives me after my tee shot. Cause um, you could argue the course doesn't really give you that many driver opportunities if you're Bryson, but he, he does it anyway. And now you see a guy make five birdies and an eagle and, and five bogeys to go along with it. And if he can keep doubles off the card and he can continue to convert and make birdies when he does find himself in the fairway, um, continue to take advantage of the ninth hole and, um, and, and the sixth hole and uh, a couple of the limited scoring opportunities out there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really a really good thing for him. Because here's the thing. Uh, I called this a first-shot golf course before the tournament started. And if you're Bryson, you can take these holes that are not birdie opportunities. They're, they're not. And you can turn it into one with one great shot yeah. off the tee. And it's a big advantage going into the weekend. The question is, how often is he going to be able to do that? And when he doesn't do that, What's he going to be left with? Is he left with making doubles? Is he going to be short-sighting himself? Is he going to have an angle? Can he pull a couple of putts? It's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, I, I joked about it on, on Thursday with, with Spieth's scorecard where he went double bogey and then three birdies. It, it's essentially what Bryson is trying to do, right? He's trying to, he's trying to make a ton of bogeys and birdies on a course where you need to play par golf to, to win. And so he's, he's sort of going about things differently than everybody else, but he, he might be able to pull it off. Justin Thomas uh, was our overnight leader through, through 18. And his, I, I, love, I love the candidness we get from him, Kyle, which is just like in his post-round interview, uh, he, he told us how grueling it was. He told us how difficult it was. He held it together. I mean, this, I, I thought it was going to get ugly early for JT, and he was able to, 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 to hold it together and still be very much in this thing. I mean, he's two back. So those last eight holes that he played, he doubles one, which was, I mean, I, one was hard, but it, it wasn't, you shouldn't be making double there. He doubles one and you're like, okay, how's this going to go? And those last eight holes, he played them in two under and he had nothing off the tee. I mean, he had nothing. Every, every, he get, give, give me one of the, the right misses. What do you do, Rick? Oh yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he was like third strike, like, like. <laughs> Caught, like, <laughs> got me one two three uh got a lot of those on friday and but he hung in i mean he just he 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 just dragged himself to the clubhouse and if he's in it on sunday those are the eight holes that i'm going to remember that that got him there because I, I i just thought it was i thought it was such a great grind when he really really i think he's kind of like a good low-key grinder like he, he, he'll, he'll grind when, when, you know, other guys are kind of ejecting a little bit. So I, I was impressed. Greg, we you talk a thing- lot. Sorry. We talk a lot. I'll tee up on this one. We talk a lot about like the bad round, right? Like, was that his bad round? And if a 73 is his bad round when the, when the field average was 75, like, I don't know if this was the worst score he could have shot, but it, it felt, it felt bad. He probably thought it was bad and it was still better than field average. <laughs> 
Well, the hard thing is you, you're five, you play a great round. Uh, it, you shoot 65, the best score ever at Wingfoot in a U.S. Open. And by the time you're on your 11th hole of the day, you've given it all away. And yeah. I mean, you've given it all away. And the frustration level is I mean, you're reaching a boiling point. And then you add in the bad tee shots on, I mean, what was it? Two, four, uh, 17 on his first nine was, was not a great tee shot. And so, and, and the thing about those two, um, at, at least 17 and two are fader holes. It, I'm thinking this is a guy who doesn't like to draw it with a driver. Okay. Well, you have a couple of holes where you can hit fades, but he couldn't pull that off either. And that's, a little bit concerning um no question about it and i always expect saturday at the u.s open to be the hardest day i think i think it will be the most difficult day tomorrow um and we'll see what happens sunday but that is a little bit of a concern but that being said the grunt to make birdie at three today is ridiculous and to make birdie at six downwind with that front pin six was not a hard hole this morning uh, and it was a hard hole this afternoon. So, it, I mean, those are, those are two huge birdies. Yeah, it was a, it was a big boy two at, at number three. Was, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, do you think it's going to get firmer, Greg? Because I saw a ball. Did you guys see the ball that Rory hit into nine? Mm, I don't remember. Which one yeah, was I mean, it? It, it, it was a weird angle. So, I, I don't think it actually bounced over the pin. But if, you, if you're watching it on TV, the ball was higher than where the pin was. I think there was yeah. some like it was like a weird uh, uh, like it, it, it. I don't think it actually bounced that high, but I, I mean, balls are bouncing all over the place. When I flipped it on on Thursday, I didn't talk to you guys on Thursday night. I was like, oh, this looks receptive. I mean, it just and then all of a sudden you start hearing that thud on Friday morning, and it's like, whoa, okay, yeah. that's that's different. I, I'm curious about how much firmer you guys think it's going to get. Uh, well, I do think, um, and I want to get Rick's thoughts too, but I think when you have wind, the way we've gotten wind, um, and you're not going to get rain, I think that is a recipe for uh, the, these things really baking out. I think you're going to start to see a lot more brown a little bit earlier in the day tomorrow. Uh, that's part of the reason why I think tomorrow is going to be such a hard day. Um, they they want to try to get this thing likely closer to even or even over par for your winner. So I think they're going to try to torture the guys in the afternoon tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Kyle. It was Thursday. They, it was receptive. They allowed them to access some hole locations. And I, I said this a little before you got on firmness of greens, it multiplies the difficulty of every other condition. So when yeah. the rough is high, if the greens are firm, it, the rough becomes more of a penalty. If the greens are soft, well, rough isn't that big of a penalty. So um, I, I think you're going to see a really tough test tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's going to get super spicy on Saturday. Moving day will be in the opposite direction, down the board. Um, <laughs> a couple other names. Anybody want to make a case for Rafa Cabrera Bayo, Harris English, or Jason Kokrak to have a little bit of staying power on the weekend? Uh, sell that to anybody. Yeah, I think, I mean, English has been flushing it for like two straight months. Yes. And he's the guy that I look at with a little bit of, I don't know, I, I, the, my fear here is that it's going to turn into a little bit of a scrambling contest, mm. potentially, depending on how firm it gets. And that's just, I don't know if that's his deal. Like, I, I, it, it could be, but I, I just don't know if that's where he's going to, you know, like make up ground the way that a JT or a, or a Reed or somebody like that would. But I mean, if you're flushing it like he is, maybe it doesn't matter. So that, that would be my guy out of those three. See, yeah, I, I agree, Kyle. But I, the one thing is, I think his short game is actually his strength. 
he's known for his golf swing, like we've talked about. But in 2020, his best statistics is his putting, right? He's 18th strokes game putting for the year last year. He's 27th around the green. The thing that Harris English started to struggle with in the years prior, when we kind of forgot about his name, 2019, his, his approach to the green game went to, I mean, his swing, basically 116th off the tee, 171st approach to the green. He was 55th around the green and 15th putting. So I, I have a, a sense that his DNA is actually, well, he's, a, he's really a great scrambler who now has a swing that's working for him the way it was when, when he first came on the scene. You know, I'll tell you one other thing about Harris English because I, I think he has a real chance. He was playing in some really tough conditions, especially early in his round. On that, that back nine to start there, I think is just brutally tough. Um, and, and his tempo never changed which is really impressive when the wind starts swirling out there and you're in between clubs, like he was on 14, you don't know what to do. You don't know if it's too much or too little and the margins are so fine. His tempo never changed, which I loved. And and I think that's a really good sign going forward. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point about his scrambling. I, I stand corrected. I, I just, whenever I think of him, I think about the long irons three, you know, like he, he just, he hits a yeah. beautiful ball, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're right about scrambling. So yeah, I, who knows? I mean, he, he, he hasn't, he hasn't sealed the deal. Um, of course he lost to the all time greatest performance ever at, at, uh, <laughs> at TPC Boston from DJ. So uh, you can't hold that against him, but I think he's somebody that's, uh, he's pretty interesting going. He, he's like a classic. Oh, he's, he's playing well in the U S open. Like he's good enough to do it, but there's not a ton of guys like him that are doing it. So I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, he, I think he's intrigued. Yeah. DJ was an expert that week at TPC Boston, but you don't need to be an expert to know that consolidating credit card debt into <laughs> one low fixed rate can save you money. Not my best. It was okay. Start saving today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's fixed rate credit card consolidation loans start at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit, lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. Get a loan from 5000 to 100000 with absolutely no fees. Take it from this user who said, I heard a commercial, checked into credit card consolidation loans, and just a few hours later had my approval and funds ready to be transferred. Awesome. Our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. And the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash cut. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash cut. Of course, subject to credit approval rates include a 0.5% auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash cut for more information. Tiger Woods, the big cat owner of 15 major championships will not be at winged foot this weekend. Greg, we'll start with you on this. Um, I guess it's not a surprise, right? I mean, we've seen what tiger has been in 2020. We know the one thing that he's always had kind of an issue with is spraying the ball off the tee. Doesn't play well at this U S open venue. I, there's still a part of me that's like, dang, I thought he was going to like flip the switch and maybe figure it out. But like, what, how do we assess Tiger Woods this week? It, it's wishful thinking, right? To yeah. think that this is going to be a venue for Tiger. And part of that is what you just said about it. This is, I, I, I struggle with this a little bit because you got a guy like Patrick Reed hitting 10 fairways and here he is at top on top of the leaderboard. You had Phil Mickelson and 
uh, in 2000, in 2006 and he didn't really hit any, I mean, I think he had two fairways on Sunday and he should have won the tournament. So it's hard to say that you can't get the job done when you're spraying it, but Tiger's biggest advantage, his greatest strength is taken away here. It just, it, he doesn't have the ability to hit those iron shots from the rough that he typically does. Um, if he's in a fairway. So like a place like Augusta national, if he sprays it a little bit, he has an opportunity to create some magic with his iron play. And I, I just think at Wingfoot, the way it's set up, it doesn't really allow for that style of play. Um, I mean, it, it takes something really miraculous and it starts going the wrong way and there's no momentum and there's no fans to kind of pick up your energy. Um, and then, and lastly, he, he, he's not, he's not prepared for this level of golf. He doesn't have yeah. the reps for this is so the margins are so small out here. And it's exactly what happened to him in 2006. He said, look, I, I wasn't prepared for that tournament because of, uh, I, I was basically grieving um, the, the passing of my father. So I, I feel like we're in the same situation. It's just not a one-off like it was in 2006. It's now our reality. I, I don't think he's prepared for this level of, uh, of golf course. And I think, a U.S. Open just exacerbates those, the like those misses or whatever's wrong with your game more so than even a like really honestly more so than Augusta or even a like an Open Championship. You can kind of get away with some stuff that he maybe does poorly at this point in his career, and you can't at a U.S. Open. He, I, he, every part of his game got exposed. I mean, on Thursday it was it was tee to green. Friday it was a putter in the short game. I mean. Watching him play 18, you're like, what am I watching? He, like, he this laid is... the sod over it two days in a row. Yeah, and, it, and it's like this is like the best – like in that situation, the best guy ever. To ever. I mean, I get it. Like he doesn't have the best – you know, he's not like whoever had Luke Donald, like maybe the best short game of all time. But like in a situation like that where you know where you have to put it, you got to feed it here, you got you to put and, – and, and he's like the best ever at something like that. And – he makes two doubles on 18. It's just, you know, that's the type of, ex like, you get exposed when your game's not as sharp as it should be. And we knew that coming in. Yeah. We just didn't know if it would result in a miscut or not, and it ended up that it did. Rounds of 73-77 for 10 over par. Tiger Woods, I presume we see him next in November, right? There's nothing before that. Uh, Zozo. Oh, Zozo. Okay. At Sherwood, so, right? He loves Sherwood. The, he? the, the Zozo uh, <laughs> CJ Cup presented by the state of California. Hopefully. Right. That's if they, right. If, yeah, if, if they're able to present it. Um, Phil Mickelson will also not be playing the weekend. It was a bit uglier for Phil, who I'm continuing to scroll. 79-74 for 13 over again. Greg, we'll start with you. It's not surprising. We, we kind of knew this was an, an option. Uh, our friends over at William Hill get a little <laughs> bit richer with a $45,000 bet on him to win. They don't even have to sweat the weekend. That's pretty good. Yeah, apparently it, it was the guy. Yeah. I, 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 it was the guy who bet on Tiger and hit. I hope that's not how he's... <laughs> you know, spending his money. Call Greg. I know he said he wanted to get new garage uh, doors back. Financial advice. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. I mean, we could talk. You want to spend forty five thousand on somebody? We can have a conversation. You might read that, Phil. Read that credit ad <laughs> read again. I'll just, just, Jacob, just play it right back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, unfortunate. But again, with Phil, there's nothing about his game that speaks to hey. This is going to work at Wingfoot. He's he's not the player he was in two thousand and six. Yeah. It it was just. 
with both Tiger and Phil, and they've earned this. They have absolutely earned this. It's just their, their games are not at they're not as sharp as they once were. I mean, Phil was magical back in 2006 he was an elite iron player he had in obviously an elite short game there were so many areas of his game where he was really really good he was also one of the longer players and now he's trying to hit bombs but he's not really a longer hitter the iron game is nowhere near where it once was um and it just it makes it hard to get ahead it starts going the wrong way it starts going the wrong way quick um, and, and this is the, the kind of thing that you see. It's just, look, the margins are so fine. The difference between shooting 77 and shooting uh, 70 is not that wide. It's not like you're that much better of a player when you shoot 70 versus 77 at a place like this. It, it can just happen in a hurry. Uh, two, I, two real quick, quick things on – Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, two quick things on Phil. One, Thursday when he said, I'm so sick of this, I thought that was kind of, it was kind of sad. It was just like, oh, this is, you know, I think he was talking, I don't think he was talking about the course or anything. I think he was talking about his swing and, and the, the yeah. miss that he had, the left miss that he had going on. Uh, and then two, I thought it was cool on the broadcast to hear Jeff Ogilvy talk about how, like how much he like sort of revered Phil, Phil at the, at the 2006 US Open. I, I thought that that, um, I mean, Ogilvy's great. He always has great stuff to say, but just hearing him talk about Phil the way that he did I don't know that we, and maybe you can't do this. I don't know that we appreciated how good he was like in his prime for such a long time. And I don't know, maybe it takes like sort of this decline to, to kind of appreciate where those guys were at. I wanted to get Twitter in a, a fervor this morning, KP. So I tweeted out that this, this could very likely be Phil Mickelson's last U S open, which is not something I, I necessarily fully believe but also he's trending in the wrong direction he's already been on the record saying he's not going to take a special invite what would he have to get in through he'd have to play a lot better or get in through the champions tour i assume like there's a a non-zero chance that phil mickelson never plays another round in the u.s open i don't know that he even wants to right like i i think i think he, i mean hearing him all week he comes to wingfoot and, and he talks about just how great of a course it is and, and how much – I think for him it's, it's like, okay, I made an appearance. He, he didn't expect to make the cut, did he? Like, I mean, based on the way he talked all week, I don't, I don't think so. I just, it just doesn't seem – you know, maybe making an appearance at a place like Wingfoot or Oakmont or something like that is cool for him, but does he want that at a, at a Tory? I don't know. Where is it in 2022? LACC? Oh. Maybe, maybe there. Mm. Maybe he'd like to make an appearance there. Uh, I, it, I just, uh, they're going to the country club soon, too. That's right. I just don't know that he wants to get his brains beat in by the way the USGA sets up these courses. It just doesn't he, – he knows his time has passed. He knows it's over with. He knows he's not winning. And I think it's just a week that he'd rather just chill than, than kind of get beat up like this. Imagine playing with Phil in a, in a sectional qualifier to get into the U.S. Open. <laughs> it would be crazy. You, I mean, you have guys out there that are like – they could be like a fringe mini tour guy who got in through local and then you're with Phil trying to yeah. qualify for the U S open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that'd be insane. Uh, it is Brookline in 2022 uh, and Tory next year, of course. Um, all right, gentlemen, we've, we got to talk to Kyle about Jordan. We've got to talk about who might be able to win the U S open, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. New CBS Sunday. 
You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. And we're back. Jordan Spieth, 73, 81. Uh, I don't know what to say, KP. I mean, listen, we, we joke. It's fun in the same way that Phil's, like, it was kind of sad. It was really sad with Jordan. He, he, he's very candid in these interviews. He says he doesn't know where the ball's going. It's obviously showing in the scores. He speak, he's, he's getting exposed uh, at winged foot and... I don't know where we go from here because I'm not sure he knows where we're going from here. So everybody saw the quote about how he doesn't know where it's going. Did you guys see the quote about where he said some, like people say, just get up there and swing. Well, if I aim at a tree, did you guys see this? No, I I didn't think I saw this one. So he said something like, if I just get up there and if I'm just aiming at a tree, it goes terribly. So I have to think about mechanics right now to keep it just like basically like this as bad as bad as it is. And that's a horrifying quote. I mean, you like you don't like that's just as a professional golfer who's trying to win a major championship. That is I, I, I did I thought I didn't see any quotes on Friday, but I thought his quotes on Thursday were very um I, I don't just relatable. I mean he was just like look what do you want from me? I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to do, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try to shoot. I'm going to try as hard as I can to shoot even par. And he's not even going to come close with the game that he has right now. But I, I just, I don't know. I thought it was, I, I actually, it made me like him more if possible than I already do just to hear kind of the way he, cause sometimes he'll get into the, Oh, well, you know, my shoulder load and like my hips. And you're like, I, I, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what you're saying. But to hear him talk about stuff that it's like, I'm not good at my job right now, and I really want to be, and I'm, I'm going to keep trying until I am, that's something that, as a human, I can relate to, you know? So I, I thought that stuff was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely relatable. He's definitely candid. He gets uh, high marks from me for that. I mean, you, you wouldn't get that from a lot of these guys out there or, or a lot of athletes in general. Greg, I don't know, maybe, I think, I think you might be in line for his swing coach soon. I think you might, can you fix what's going on? What's going on with this guy? <laughs> Look, this, this is, um, uh, it's not an easy thing. And Cameron McCormick definitely has a spotlight on him right now. Um, I mean, people don't know. He's, uh, he's also working with Daniel Berger, who's uh, quickly rising up the ranks. So the guy knows what he's doing. And I, I don't know where, I'd have, you'd have to talk to him. I mean, is it simply mechanical? I, I don't know, but it looks like, he feels like this isn't wherever he's going. It, it's not working. And they, I don't understand really where they are with this because at, I, I was talking to um, Bob Iganet, a friend of mine at the Academy who was at the 2019 PGA at Beth page. And he was working on the range there that week. And he said, Jordan was, was like nearly late to his tea time. I mean, you, hmm. you watch Brooks Kepka. He shows up with he and his caddies warming up and then, goes off and they didn't work on anything he just hit a couple of balls to loosen up there well i guess it just hit just hits a couple of balls as a part of his routine and then goes jordan is practicing minutes before his tea time people yeah. are coming up to him hey it's time to go and he's saying one more and he's sounds he like me for the test right yeah oh i gotta get one more i can't end on that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and here he is. And it's still like two years later, we've had a layoff. You've had two off seasons and we're in the same exact place. So I don't know what the answer is for him. Um, but, but something's got to click. I mean, it's almost like you got to, he's got to simplify things somehow. And I don't know if it's possible. I don't know what they're working on, but if I were coaching Jordan, I would get him hitting one shot shape and it'd be just a swing and hook. Cause look, this are, uh, or a, a big slice. I don't know. Just get a, a shot shape. That's somewhat reliable. Cause he doesn't have a shot. He can hit when he needs to hit a shot right now which is a problem. And well, he, him, well, go ahead. Kyle. He said on Thursday, he was like, I went to the tee thinking I got to hit. Uh, what did he say? What's he trying to hit? He's trying to hit a draw. Yeah. He's trying I gotta to hit, hit a, I got to hit a draw. I got to hit a draw. And then on like three or four holes, he was like, I tried to fade it. This was on Thursday, the easy day. And he's like, and I played those holes in like five over. And it's yeah. just like, if you're thinking about all that, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. there's just, a, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And so, um, but to the range point, I heard my uh, reports on the ground. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, Xander Shoffley leading into the event on the range was hitting it everywhere. Duck, I mean, duck hooks, and then yes. high, gone. He was, he was spraying it. And all of a sudden, he goes out on the tee, and, uh, and here he is in contention in the top 10. And it, you would never know. Watching on TV, you'd have no idea. He's working on something with his dad. Clearly isn't working, but yet he, he has the ability to shift it into gear. We've heard many stories about this in the past. What, what you do on the range and what you do on the course don't match up. Kyle knows about this, right? You hit that one more, it's a great shot. First tee, well, you might get something different, good or bad. And um, so there was another story about Corey Pavin, who was hitting it all over the place, shanking it, couldn't hit, couldn't hit it anywhere on the range. And next thing you know, this is at Shinnecock, I believe. Um, next thing you know, he goes out and, and wins the event. So I usually... But. I think he won Shinnecock. I usually do the opposite. Hit a great I, don't if, on the I don't know if you guys know this, but I played Augusta one time and <laughs> I was flushing it on the range. My caddy, I was asking my caddy something and he was like, Oh, you'll be fine. And, <laughs> and, and, it, and it did not go fine. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm quite the opposite. Um, but it just, I just don't know what that block is for Jordan. How is it that he, um, where, how can he get to the place where he can go out and play and score? And it, he's just, he, he can't manufacture something. He can't figure out a way to get it around it. It's just, it's that discombobulated right now. All right. We've, we, we will have plenty of Jordan speed conversations moving forward. Let's end on a positive note because someone is going to win the U S open on Sunday evening. I have no idea who that person is, but I'd like to talk it out. Patrick Reed is your leader by one shot. He's one clear over Bryson. Then there's a chase pack at two under. Rafa Cabrera-Bayo, Harris English, Justin Thomas. The odds makers assign Patrick Reed four to one odds. He's the favorite to win. And then a lot of respect for JT Kyle. He's four and a half to one. So Bryson actually closer. Bryson's one shot closer and he's five to one. Um, is, is it one of those guys that wins it or does somebody from further down the pack come up and steal this thing. Yeah, I don't – I'm not concerned about, like, one or two shots right now. I, I don't think my, – my, so I wrote a piece for CBSSports.com on Friday night, and I kind of talked about, okay, who's best set – because clearly, like, Thursday was an anomaly. We were getting a war on Saturday and Sunday from mm -hmm. the USGA. It's not going to be under – nobody's going to be under par on Sunday night. 
it's going to be just uh, it's going to be a nightmare to play, which is going to be awesome. But who's best prepared for that? Like who is set up best for that? So part of that is where are you at on the board? And part of that is where's your game at? And so Reed, Reed and Bryson scare me, man. Like I, I just, I don't love the way they've kind of gone about this. Although I do love Reed's fight. And I think that he's going to just figure out a way. There's probably a joke in there, but he's going to figure out a way to, to, to kind of stay in it. I, I don't know. I, I look a little for what? whatever it takes. I don't know. I just kept thinking about that. One. I just kept chewing on that. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever it takes, you know? So I look a little further down the board and the names that stick out, I think Xander's guaranteed top 10. Like I don't see any way he doesn't finish in the top 10. I don't know if he's going to win, but I think he's going to be up there. Hideki's leading the field strokes and Tita green. Uh, he should chip instead of putt. He makes the, he makes the chip on one. Did you see that? Know. Yeah. Yeah. One's amazing. They should just play that 36 times on, on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, – I like Finau at plus two, by the way. He's hitting the hell out of it. He's not putting at all. Uh, I'm going to stick with Rom. I think Rom's going to win. Plus one, I think he shoots like 72-71 and wins this thing at, at uh, plus four. If you also like that, you can get it at 12 to 1 right now. Line your pockets a little bit. Greg, I've, I've tossed this around. I think Rom is very interesting. I, I think I'm just settling on – I think JT might be in a great spot. I think he went to war on Saturday and came out relatively unscathed. I know he shot a 73, but it was bad. It was Friday. bad. Friday, what did I say? Yeah. Yeah. Saturday. He's going to go to war on Saturday. <laughs> He's going to go to war on Saturday too. Yeah. I'm predicting the future now. And, and it just like, I, I was very impressed by that. And, and that looked to me like the type of guy who's ready to win the U S open. Yeah. I, I look, I think it's great. And we've had some, uh, he does that. That means he doesn't think it's great. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I think you're right on. I just think there's a lot of guys that are very interesting. Bubba Watson sitting at one over. Nah, interesting. Bubba. I'm, I'm interested. He just, when, when Bubba gets, it's so strange when he gets yes. near the lead, he, <laughs> Good he word. wins a lot. I mean, you're talking about 12 wins. He has like 60 top tens in his yeah, career. It's so, a great point. It's fascinating to me when Bubba gets near the lead. And I think this is the kind of creative course that can work well for him. But he's not my guy. My guy's Xander. Mm. I think he's due. And he's in the chase position where it's going to be really good for him. So Rom's a great point because his game is definitely strong enough to withhold the war. I think Xander's is too. And you see some of the short shots that he's able to pull off. He feels... When I watch Xander, it feels like he can get up and down from anywhere. And it's not a problem if he misses a fairway. It's not a problem if he misses a green because he's he's um, chipping and pitching great. The shot he hit on 15 today from the bunker short right to that yeah, back right. It was, was disgusting. Ridiculous. Yeah. And he's putting great. So uh, I'm a huge fan of him and his success in U.S. Opens. I'm a little upset because we have a guarantee on him now. So Kyle guaranteed a top 10 out of him, and that might be the curse. <laughs> I think Xander's still, he's still the guy. I guaranteed Bryson would win, so uh, <laughs> don't listen to me. Uh, I'm going to read you going backwards. Rom's last uh, eight Sunday scores, 60, 66 at the Tour Championship, 64 at the BMW win, 65 at the Northern Trust, 66 at the PGA, uh, 66 at, where was that, St. Jude, 75 at Memorial, won that, 
And then 64, 71, 68. He's been unbelievable on the weekend. It is amazing. Uh, do you guys um, – what do you guys think about Thomas Peters? I think that he'll be gone by this time tomorrow. By this pod tomorrow, <laughs> he'll be on the third page of the leaderboard. I, I, I agree, but, like, his ball stri- – when he's on – I mean, it just – it looks so freaking good. I just don't know if he can grind. Like, I, I don't – I'm get, with you. I think he's going to get into a situation where he makes, like, a triple or something, and it's like, okay. He, he goes, like, triple, bogey, bogey, and that's it. But I, I just – I don't know. Like, his tee to green game's unreal. He's so pretty to watch, and he's yeah. driving it great today. I mean, but I, I, have, I haven't seen him overcome a really difficult situation where – Whereas you look at Rom, who you've mentioned, he's been what he was six over on Friday night at the at the BMW, and yeah. he uh, Xander Shoffley has been behind the eight ball so many times and fought his way back. There, there are Justin Thomas is another guy who is a fighter. Patrick Reed is a fight. I mean, you're going up against Bryson DeChambeau through his whole career has had to fight to prove his um, worth, if you will, whatever, however you want to say it. <laughs> All these guys up near the top are real gritty fighters they're these guys are warriors and i don't i haven't seen that out of thomas peters at all i mean even brendan todd think about what brendan todd has been through and and those are the kind of things that prep you rick calls it scar tissue this is the it's the scar tissue that preps you for a weekend like this and i haven't i haven't seen it out of peters so i I have web and web and dj also working do you still like web rick yeah Web's always around, right? I, I I love it at plus two. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, these numbers are going to be – I mean, they're going to be inverted when we get back on Saturday evening to break all of this down. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash firstcutpodcast. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at firstcutpod. That right there is Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That's Kyle Porter, who you can find on Twitter at KylePorterCBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. And we'll catch you next time. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.